From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. We're delighted to be here today at this microphone and spend some time together, and uh, we're going to hear the second part of a message that I did recently entitled, No Man Cared for My Soul. I hope this will be a help to you today. I think you'll enjoy the things that I have in this message, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Let me just remind you that here at The Sword of the Lord, we publish a newspaper now for more than eight decades, and uh, we are just excited that we get to do that. At the end of the broadcast, I'm going to give you contact information, and I'll send you a sample copy of the paper if you'd like to receive it. In the meantime, let's listen to the message today and see if we cannot learn something from Psalm 142, that little phrase, no man cared for my soul. It's an important concept, and I want you to listen to the solution that we have for it because it will be a help and a blessing to you. So here we go, part two of my message, no man cared for my soul. You know what happens when we don't know God's truth? We usually make up something to make do for ourselves. Or sometimes somebody saw something and they said, well, I don't like the way God did that. We're going to redo it. So they wind up making up stuff and doing it that way because it pleases them. I had a conversation with someone just yesterday on the phone and the person said, well, there's, there's just a lot of hypocrites in the church. And I said, absolutely. In fact, you may be surprised, but I said to them, where I'm going to be in the morning, I said, I hope they fill the place up with hypocrites. You say, are you serious? I am totally serious. I have spent a lot of my life trying to help folks who are trying to run their train somewhere off the track and I spend my time trying to help them get the train on the track. So call them whatever you want to. If their train is off the track, put them in front of me. Put them in front of Pastor Walsh. We're going to get up, open the Bible. We're going to try to help them get the train on the track. You know, the only thing we'd have to do to ruin a perfect church is let you join it. Amen? <laughs> or let me and my wife join it. That would mess it up. Whenever we set aside the truth of God, we, we say, well, it doesn't matter. Any old way will do. I mean, just one church is as good as another. And, and however you feel about it, whatever you want to think or say, I mean, I mean, we'll all get there. I mean, all roads lead to heaven. Now, if we go like that, what we're doing is we are inventing something. And the Bible says when they do not have the knowledge of God, verse 2, verse 3 being ignorant of God's way, they go about to establish one of their own. And precious, precious friends and acquaintances and strangers, if I've not met you, whatever the case, take note of the fact here that getting it on God's terms, getting it right as God says, I mean, it is so vital. Verse 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. You know... If everybody that comes to Lighthouse Baptist Church had to have everything in place and everything right before you could come, well, to start with, the building would be empty. Yeah. See, a lot of folks have the idea, all right, we got, we got a list of things. We've got Ten Commandments, Sermon on the Mount, we've got some of these things, and we're going to get all those, and we're going to follow those things, and God will be happy if we do that. 
As long as you live in the frame of flesh where you live in this body, you're going to struggle with the Ten Commandments and other related matters. But even if you could keep them perfectly, you still wouldn't qualify to go to heaven. You still couldn't go to heaven if you could do it all right. And the reason is that before you ever violate one of those commands, you're already a sinner. Already a sinner. You say, well, wait a minute, I haven't sinned yet. No, I know, but you will eventually sin because you are a sinner by nature. The apple trees are apple trees when they're only that high. The reason they ultimately have apples on them is because by nature it is an apple tree. And you are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. The impossibility of doing everything right all of the time, getting a perfect record, absolutely, totally, humanly impossible. You say, well, how do I qualify to get to heaven? Verse 4 says, Christ, Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of the struggling. He's the end of the trying to put together a perfect lifestyle. He's the end of all of that for everyone that believes. That word believes in the New Testament is a stronger word than just saying, uh, for instance, you might say, well, I believe two and two equals four. Well, two and two does equal four. I will know when you go down to the supermarket or the, some other place, I'll know whenever you walk in and somebody starts to make change and you start to make change and you're peeling money out of your pocket, then we'll find out whether you, whether you are actually going to function based on what you say you believe. So it boils down to a matter of, okay, I know this, now am I going to trust that when I walk in? Somebody gave me change yesterday, and when they handed it back to me, they didn't count it back, they just handed me the change. Always bothers me. Like they counted it out, they hand it back to me, don't count it back. I mean, I think they know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, but I don't trust them. And what this word believe here, it's strong enough, it's not just believing something and acknowledging the facts, but it's believing it so much that you trust what you say you believe. You drive up to the bridge. Well, sure, it's a bridge. Well, are you going to cross it? Do you trust the engineers and the builders enough that you're willing to drive up on it and go across? There's a difference between believing about it and trusting in it. And what this passage says is that Christ sets all of this struggle, all of this striving, He sets all of that aside and allows us to get into the family of God and ultimately into heaven based on the fact that we acknowledge who He is. We acknowledge that He is the Savior, that He died for us, that He arose from the grave for us, and we sign up to accept Him as our Savior simply by faith. And when we put our trust in Him, back up to use the word in verse 1, we are then saved. Now, you say, well, how does all that come back? Well, drop down to verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then it's explained a little further. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what, what do we got here? We got believing in the heart and admitting it with the mouth. In fact, whatever you believe down deep inside, you're, you'll, you'll own up to it. You'll fess up to it. And uh, 
And what he's saying is, it's with the heart that man believes unto righteousness. If I went out on the street and started asking people, just walk up people and say, how does a person become righteous? I can almost tell you about 98 or 97 people out of 100, they say, well, if you want to do righteous, you've you, you got to do right things. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you can be credited with righteousness. You can be received as a righteous person in God's eyes the moment that you put your trust in the crucified and risen Christ because He, God, puts the righteousness of Christ to your account and even though you are a sinner and undeserving of heaven, God puts Christ's righteousness to your account so you go to heaven on His fare, on His tab, on His hook, not yours. Here we are still struggling. You say, well, I, I don't do everything perfectly. I've still got this, you know. I'm going to say again, you're still living in the flesh. You are still a human being. I don't want you to just get comfortable and say, oh, all right, I'll do everything, you know, whatever, please. I don't want you to do that. But I want you to understand that God saves us in spite of ourselves. And we will not have perfection till we get to heaven. So, he says, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. You say, well, is this going to work for me? Verse 12 says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. So you don't know how many sins I've committed. You don't know how much baggage I've got. You, no, listen, fact is, I don't know and I don't need to know. God knows all about that anyway and He's already said that he will be rich to respond, he will be generous with his mercy and his goodness and his salvation and everything that he gives. He'll be generous to all who call upon him. You know, sometimes I'm totally amazed. Some of us, like me, who grew up in a part of the... I mean, where, where I grew up is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. And to imagine that the Lord God of the universe would love me, make arrangements for me so that I could be saved, and not only for me, but for everybody else. I mean, I'm absolutely astounded. You say, well, what does he want? Verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there it is again. You say, well, I want to get this right. I want to do it right. I want to be sure that I go to heaven when I die. The Lord's already made the plan. It's already laid it out. His truth is real. You can count on that. If you've not trusted Him, if you're willing to do it, He's willing to save you. I have my phone set so I can push a couple of prompts, and I pull up the obituaries in a couple of cities where I have some ties that where I don't live any longer. And I pull those up every day, just keeping up with the comings and goings, and in that case it would be the goings, and I noticed this morning pictures of people in those obituaries and one guy's 31 years old. Another one I think was 43. Not everybody in the obituary column on any given day, not everybody is dead with old age. I try to urge people, the minute you get a focus and you understand what it's about, don't delay it. I've lived a good number of years. I'm planning to live some more. But again, I don't know what my checkout time is. It might be today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. I, I don't know. Maybe may a while. I don't know, and you don't know. And so if we've got any unfinished business, it'd be good 
if we just took care of it. So anyway, you know, I started in Psalm 142. I want you to see there are times, even with some great people like David, there's some times when they say, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. Truth is, God cares. And in actuality, there are people who care. People like the Apostle Paul who would say, I have a heart for my nation, I have a heart for my city, I have a heart for my neighborhood. My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. And so if you've not trusted Him yet, boy, today would be a good day to do it. Well, we'll interrupt the message right there, but let me just extend the invitation to you. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, listen, somebody does care for you. The Lord cares for you, and we care, and a lot of Christians care. And I think if you've not trusted the Lord, today would be a real good time for you to do that. Would you right where you are, just bow your head if you can do that and say, Dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I know that I need to be saved. I do believe that Jesus died on the cross and arose from the grave and paid my sin debt. He purchased my salvation for me, and I'm going to trust him right now to become my Savior. Put my faith in him. And I want you to forgive me and save me and reserve a place for me in heaven when I die. And ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friend, if you've prayed with me, if you meant that, write me a note and let me know. And for those of you who hear the broadcast and are being blessed by it, write me today. Let me know that you're hearing on this station, and I will be so pleased to hear from you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And also, remember, I'll send you a sample copy of our Sword of the Lord newspaper. Same address, just write me a note, and we'll get it out to you right away. So we look forward to seeing you back here again on Monday. Do join me then. Until that time, have a great weekend and a great rest of this day. Goodbye for now.